Welcome to the new. Every experience with God's Word promises to be refreshing and transformational. Receive today's message with high expectations as it brings power, light, and a fresh anointing to your life. This morning, um, I'm going to be teaching uh, where we left off last week. I just want to say a few things before I get into my message this morning. My message this morning is very theological in nature. So it's like a Bible study. So if you don't really like uh, to study the Bible, let me just put it this way. There are many kinds of messages, right? There are messages that stirs people up. There are messages that then helps people have a general knowledge or a wider spectrum of the Word of God from end to end so that they can engage what has been written in the Word in their life. And so I know that many people enjoy and love such powerful messages that stir you up, gives you hope, gives you insight. But like we always say with the old adage, I'd rather somebody teach me to fish than somebody to give me fish. Well, yeah, depends on something like that. So this morning, I want to take us into like a Bible study. And I know that you're going to be excited about it. I'm in the new anyway, so am I in the new? I'm going to take it one layer upon another layer upon another layer so that we can understand this idea and concept of giving. Now, many of us are churchgoers. We come to church all the time, and those watching online as well. Whenever the word giving is mentioned, people get immediately uncomfortable in church. Everybody's okay when we start to talk about prayer. Everybody's okay when we start talking about fasting. Everyone is more than okay when we talk about prosperity and finances. Everybody is okay when we talk about uh, any other thing, you know, worship. But at the moment we start to talk about giving, people get discomfort. Particularly when we say offering time. I realize that for most, many people, not in the new, not in the new, that's the time they disconnect. Particularly online viewers. You enjoy all the part of the service till it's time to give. Like, oh, service has finished. And so you realize that um, people drop off just right after the message because we don't understand that the whole spectrum of a service experience is worship to God. The service experience or your service doesn't end as worship. It doesn't end at giving, um, at the word. It doesn't end at giving. Do you know that the benediction is part of our service experience? At the end of the service, when we say God bless you to each other, it's part of the service experience. As the new, when we take our creed, it's part of our service experience. And so this morning, I want to help you by the wisdom of God to help you see perspectives in the word of God. And so that you can understand one of the activities that happen or the spiritual activities that happen during the service, which is given 
which many of us do with obligation without a prior understanding of what, how, how to do that, when to do that, which way do I do that, what shall I expect after I do it, what does God's insight has to do with it. And so it's almost like every time we understand something by knowledge transferred to us, we just repeat it and replicate it without even prior understanding and knowledge and understanding about it. That's, that's why this morning, I want to take us into a theology, theology class where we go one after the other. We're going to look through the whole spectrum of the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation so that we can understand the concept of giving. Now, what I'm going to do, therefore, on Tuesday midweek service, this coming Tuesday midweek service, I will then take all the kinds of giving in the Bible, one after the other, one after the other, one after the other, and I will teach it, unravel it so that we can understand what we're talking about. Now, let me say this here. As a church family this year, if you don't grow this year, in fact, then we will need Jesus himself to come and help you to grow. Are you ready for the word now? I love the people in front. They sound better. Are you ready for the word now? John chapter 1 and verse 17. John 1, 17. Thank you, Jesus. John 1, 17. Thank you, media. It says, For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Let me say it one more time. It says, And the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, let me give an example of what this scripture sort of connotes or represents in our day-to-day -day life. If you are married here and you have a husband, of course, you have a husband if you are married. If you're married husband and wife and you have a kid, a son or a daughter, what happens there is that one person might be the person who spanks the child. And then another person is the person who then says, oh yeah, sorry, sorry, come and take sweets. So punishment comes by one and extension of love comes by other. If you are in this, if you are married, you know, you already know who is who as I'm talking right now. So you see that. So when the Bible says that the grace, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. I want to pause that scripture a little bit because I want us to understand what that scripture is really talking about. Now, here is the challenge with some of the scriptures that we read without understanding it. Because, you see, what happens to many believers is that when we think about the Old Testament and we think about the New Testament, we sometimes think that God, you know, has, pardon my use of word, some form of mental disorder. Because it's like, all of a sudden, it was behaving a certain way in the New Testament, then it gets to the Old Testament, then it starts to behave a different way. Then we think that the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New Testament. And so that's why many people are confused because we sometimes portray God as a man, as a, as a personality or a monarch of the earth that has some good day and bad day. Or, let me put it this way, like this kind of God who is learning the ropes of how to become a God in the Old Testament. Then when it gets to the New Testament, like, mm, finally, I now know what it means to be a God. 
And so we are unaware about who he is. When we read the scripture and we say, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. Let me say this here. Okay, let's open that scripture before I, 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 I establish that. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17. You know, like I said earlier today, it's going to be Bible school because I'm going to take it one after the other, step by step, layers upon layers, so that we can understand the word of God. Glory be to God. Matthew 5 verse 17. Look at what Jesus himself said here. Jesus says, he says, do not think that I have come to destroy what? The law or the prophets. The law there speaks about Moses. And I've taught you this before that there are three laws you find in the Bible. There is the law of Moses. There is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus which is the third one. And there is the law of sin and death. You find three laws in the whole spectrum of the Bible. Now Jesus said right here that I have not come to destroy the law. The law there speaks of Moses. Then he says, I have not also come to destroy the prophets. The prophets there speaks of the prophetic ordinance of God according to the Bible that you find in people like Elijah, in people like Elisha, which played a part in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember in the Mount of Transfiguration that it was Elijah and Moses that showed up to Jesus. So in the conversation in Matthew chapter 18, in the law, in the Mount of Transfiguration, it was Elijah and Moses, Elijah representing the prophet and Moses representing the law and Jesus representing grace. But look at what Jesus said that was so profound. He says, I did not come to destroy it. He says, I've only come to fulfill it. I've come to fulfill it. I've come to fulfill it. I want to follow me, I want you to follow me very closely because it's very important what I'm about to share with you. And so, when you think about this, I wrote something here and I wanted to write this down. Very powerful. I said, the principles of God remain the same across the testaments. However, how God chooses to deal or dispense is different. The principles of God remain the same across the testaments. However, how God chooses to deal or dispense is what is now different. I'll explain to you what I mean by that. Look at me, everyone. You know, I said today is Bible school, so we are going to do is theological teachings. Now, listen to me, everyone. The Bible says God speaking to Abraham, Adam and Eve. It says you can eat of every tree in this garden, all of this tree. But the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it says you would surely die. Which means that there is a principle at work that the day you sin, you will die. Glory to God. But we all know that Abraham, Adam, pardon me, did not die physically, but he died spiritually. Yes or no? But you've seen the principle across board. I'll give you an example. In the book of Genesis chapter 3, we'll find that when Adam and Eve ate the fruits of the tree, pardon me, what happened to them? They died. How do we know that they died? They began to see themselves naked. Either told they could not see themselves naked. They were covered. But all of a sudden when they died spiritually, it means that they lost connection with God. They began to see themselves naked. Now look at what the powerful principle there was. It was that God then had to kill an animal so that it would cover them with the skin of that animal. So the principle of death still showed up even though it was not Adam that died physically. I'll give you another level. You see it also in the principle when the Bible says that Jesus came to die. What did Jesus come and die for? He came to die for sin. So the principle that the moment you sin you will die had to be fulfilled by the penalty that Jesus paid on the cross. Are you guys following what I'm talking about here? 
So you see the principle. Now, the death there, glory be to God for us New Testament saints, the death there was no longer you dying spiritually, it was the penalty of Jesus. But the principle is still the same. It's just that the way it has been dispensed in the New Testament is now different. And you get what I'm talking about there. But the principle is the same. The principle of giving in the Old Testament is the same principle, just that you might see a difference in the dispensation of it. Particularly, I'll give an example. Let me jump ahead of myself a little bit. In the Old Testament, okay. In the Old Testament, are you, are you following me? In the Old Testament, you will see that for you to take your tithes, you have to take your tithes to the Levites. It's the Levites that are sanctioned, authorized by God to receive tithes. Why? Because when Jacob was blessing the 12th tribe of Israel, he blessed all of the tribe, gave them land, gave them property. It was only the tribe of the Levite that could not get land and get property. But God then said, however, that the way this tribe will be blessed, the way this tribe will be taken care of, is that every one of you that have properties, every one of you that have money, every one of you that have goods, you will take a tenth of that thing and give it to this tribe. Because they are to offer up only sacrifices for me, they don't have time to go and be using properties, to go and be doing trade by barter, and to making money. So, the way you would feed these people is to ensure that you bring the tithes to them. Are you getting what I'm talking about? But if you see the dispensation of it, the same principle in the New Testament found in a man called Barnabas. If you read Acts chapter 4 all the way down and you see that with Ananias and Sapphira, you will see also that they brought their properties and brought it to who? The apostles. Now you see that the principles was in display there. Who is the apostle? The head of the church. Who are the Levites? The head of the churches. But you see there that it was a different way because at this time, Jesus had died. That's why he said when he died, as he ascended, he did what? Gave gifts to men. You understand that Jesus came from the house of Judah, the tribe of Judah. In the 12th tribe of Israel, he came from the tribe of Judah. So he was not really, he was not a Levite. But the principle he was trying to pass on there was that now you don't have to give your tithe to the Levitical order of the Old Testament. The moment Jesus established the apostles, the prophets, the ministry gift, the fivefold ministers, they are the ones that can now receive tithe on behalf of God. Are you understanding it now? But the principles are still the same. Do you understand what I'm talking about there? So you see that the patterns and the way of dispensation might change. But the principles are eternal. Glory be to God. So the Bible says the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. All right. Now let's go to the Bible now and take it one step at a time. Because what I want to do for us today is to help you understand this concept of giving. Listen to me, everyone. If you follow me very closely... Between now and the end of this teaching, you would understand what it means to give. You would understand the posture, the posture of giving. Because you see, this is one question most believers have plenty questions about. That's why when people drag giving and receiving on social media, some believers will not comment, but they will like the post. Because they, are not, they don't even understand what it means. And so there are many practices, many Christian practices that we participate in that we don't even understand it. I had to go and learn it. I had to go and understand it. Because I've asked people, I've asked me questions before. I've even asked myself questions before. All this money I'm giving, where is it going to? 
And then why am I giving and I'm not seeing the proportionate results? After all, you all told me before that it's pressed down, shaking together, running over. You all told me before that it's 100% increase. It's almost like MMM. So people give, the moment you give 100K, you're waiting to receive 1 million naira. And so people are frustrated, people are confused because they don't understand the practice of the kingdom. That's what I want to help you to understand it. And if you see, if you listen to what I'm teaching you today, to next week on Tuesday midweek service and all through, you would understand the concept of giving. I'll tell you the truth. Glory be to God. I've said this before and I'll say it again. There is a concept in, you know, in organizations called CSR. There's a reason why organizations, big organizations have CSR. It's a concept of giving embedded in the structure of the business. Remember what I taught you last two Sundays ago about the law of seed time and harvest. Go back and listen to that message. If not, listen to it. It's on YouTube. 29 minutes. No worry. I just started though. <laughs> Go back and listen to that message on the law of seed time and harvest. You would understand the underlying principle that governs the earth. God said, I'm not going to destroy the earth again, but there was then going to be a rule that oppressed the earth, which will now be the rule of seed time and harvest. Meaning that people will self-destruct themselves. They will self-destroy themselves by the seed that they sow. So the rain will never come back again. The flood will never come back again to destroy the earth. It's written in the book of Genesis chapter 8, verse 23. You see it right there. The law of seed time and harvest. Why? Because when God was going to destroy the earth again, he told Noah, the Bible says Noah found grace in the sight of God. He told Noah, take of the animals, male and female, every animal of its kind, male and female, put them into the ark. Male and female. Why? So that when the earth is destroyed, male and female will meet together and reproduce after its kind. So when the Bible says in the book of Genesis, and God saw all that it was good, and God rested, from that day forward, God never created another thing. So it was a law that is set in motion, that reproduced after its kind. You get what I'm talking about again. That's why when God made man, the first thing he said to man, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, have dominion upon the earth. Why? He made them male and female. Why? So that reproduction can continue. He didn't make another man. Adam and Eve were the only created being by God. The rest of us were born. You get what I'm saying? The law of Satan and harvest. So the law was set in motion from that day forward. Everything, which was what I was trying to talk to you about last week Sunday, that everything you have, your time, your treasure, your talent, your diligence, your spirituality, everything you have is in a seed form. If you don't sow it, you will reap whatever you don't sow. So if you don't sow diligence, you are going to reap pain. He says, see that man who is diligent in his business, he will stand before kings and not before men. So everything you sow, you get a return back of it. So there is a law in motion. It's called the law of seed time and harvest. But that's not where I'm going to today. Let's look then. In the Bible, the foundation of where giving started from. And so we'll start from the Old Testament. Then we'll move on to the New Testament focused on Jesus, which is somewhat borderline between the Old and the New Testament. Remember that the testator, before we can say that it's the testament, the testator has to die first. So the New Testament literally, really, really, really started after the death of Jesus. So we're going to look at it from that full point. So we're looking at three. Number one, the Old Testament. Number two, the New Testament where Jesus was alive. And number three, 
the testament testament from Acts chapter 2 when the apostles took over so we look at the we look at giving from that spectrum so that we can understand is there any changes was God saying something else that he has stopped saying I mean, we now really need to confirm if God really just says what he likes he's still trying to lend this rope of being a God so that we can understand it are you ready now the first time we'll see in the Bible the first set of offerings or giving the principle of the giving or receiving and the practice of giving in the Bible was found with Cain and Abel Cain and Abel and you see I'm going to teach about that on Tuesday so I wanted to follow that where I talk about first fruits because there are many questions around this subject of first fruits now what had happened with Cain and Abel there was that they both were supposed to offer up gifts to God the Bible says that Cain came with what and farm produce while Abel came with the firstborn, the first fruits of his sheep, his offsprings. And I'll teach about that because some people think that why did God just why did God accept this one's offering and God did not accept this other one's offering? I know you have many of those questions. And then my book of Bible story told you something else. Remember that my book of Bible story? Don't worry. On Tuesday, I will talk about the law of the first fruits in the Bible and how you see the first fruits everywhere in the Bible. You see the first fruits everywhere in the Bible. That even God himself applied that rule of first fruits. That's why Jesus, the firstborn amongst any brethren, had to die first to offer up the law of first fruits. You'll see it in the Bible. But I'll talk about that on Tuesday. Glory to God. So you see there first, the killing of animals to cover, um, to, um, the killing of Abel, right? You see that with Cain and Abel. That's the first time you see giving any form of giving whatsoever in the Old Testament. Now, the second time you see any form of giving is a sacrificial giving. So the first kind of giving that you see in the Bible was the giving of what we call the first fruit giving. The first fruit giving. You see that with Cain and Abel, the first fruit giving. The second giving we're going to see in the Bible is the burnt offering giving, which we call also the sacrificial giving, which we find in the Bible where Noah, like I shared with you last week, um, Sunday, where Noah offered up a sacrifice after the flood in Genesis chapter 8. It was when Noah offered up sacrifices, the Bible says, and God smelled. Thank you. It says, and Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered what? Burnt offering on the altar. Next verse, verse 21. And the Lord what? Smelled a soup. You see, like asun. You know when you're smelling asun? They're like, mm, this thing is sweet. <laughs> and then the Lord said to that, I will never again. So you see that the Lord that was set in motion that made God say, I will never again destroy the earth was by what? Giving. Listen to what I'm talking about there. Uh, let me go ahead of myself a little bit. That you can offer some giving that constitutionally in the realm of the spirit you accord time frame for your children's children. By your giving. By your giving. You, don't let me go ahead of myself. Let me keep going. But you, you see it here. So the first, second one you find in the Bible 
was then this giving of bond offering, this giving of sacrificial giving. Glory be to God. Now, let me ask you a question. Where did these people learn all these things? In it, you know that when God blessed man, he gave man all the blessing. I'm hearing some sounds here, please. I'm hearing some sound on the speakers, so please. Amen. And so, it gave, everyone can hear me, you can hear me. All right, I'm struggling. All right, thank you. And so, it gave man the blessing. Now, when it gave man the blessing, the blessing there is Barak. It means to bestow good upon. Now, I'll share something with you so powerful. God literally gave man the capacity to be like him. So the innate abilities that God had, man had it. Very good example. There was a prototype of sight that man saw. Man was created in the garden. God gave them the garden first. And then put man in the garden. So you see the act of God in giving that man saw and they could reproduce by the sight that they saw that God could do it. Number two, God blessed man. It means that he, recu- he relinquished the right to own the earth. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, the heavens, even the heavens is the Lord's, the earth has it given to the children of men. So God gave man the power to rule the earth. So you see that also. So you see that form of giving. Another kind of giving you'll see in the actions and the attributes of God to mankind is that when they sinned, God killed an animal and clothed them with it. He gave that animal over to them. So in that similitude of things, you could denote or suggest that man got a glimpse of how to give from that. You got it what I'm talking about there? So that's the second kind of giving. The sacrificial giving, the bond offering giving, seen by Noah. The third giving we're going to see in the Bible is the giving in the book of Genesis, I think it's Genesis 14 or so, when Abraham met with Melchizedek, king of Salem. And what did the Bible say about Abraham? Abraham gave a fight of his goods that he got from the battlefront. So you see the three kinds that were shown in the Bible very clearly. Number one is what we call the, uh, the, the uh, what's that first one again? The first fruit of Noah. Number two, the burnt offering, which is like the sacrificial giving. Number three, you see what? The tithes. Tithes. And God, and, and blessed be God, the most high, who has delivered your enemy unto your hands. And he gave what? A tithe of all. Abraham gave a tithe, 10% of all that he had. You see that? So you see that in the Bible, you see all of these kinds of giving already from the book of Genesis. Now, if you open with me to the book of Exodus, is somebody following me this morning? Are you learning something? Exodus chapter 23 and verse 14. Exodus 23 and verse 14. It says, three times you shall keep a feast to me in the year. Next verse. 
It says, you shall keep the feast of the unleavened bread. Another word of the unleavened bread is the word, the Passover. The Passover, of course, you know, okay, maybe I'll talk a little bit more about that. You shall eat unleavened bread seven days, and I have commanded you at the time appointed in the month of Ayab. For in it you shall come out of Egypt, none shall appear before me, what? Empty. Next verse, verse 16. And the feast of harvest, the first fruit of your labors, which you have sown in the field. You see the first fruit there again. And the feast of the ingathering at the end of the year, when you have gathered in the fruit of your basket from the field. Go back to the preceding verse that I just read, but look at the underlining text there. It says, and none shall appear before me empty. He says, none, 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 none. Now listen to this. In the Old Testament, we have what we call the law of Moses. The law are set rules that must be in place. Those rules operate for us. It's like, you know, it's like two times two is four. It's a rule. You can't say two times two, my own is two times two is 32. No. There's a rule that lets us know mathematically that two times two is four. Even though now the more you look, they've turned everything now to abracadabra in Nigeria, in America, around the world. So it has turned to something else now. So sometimes two times two can be 49 now. But you know the underlying principle there, two times two is four. Now, what God was saying to these people there because of the model of apprentice in which they operate in, if you want to come before God as an Israelite, you cannot throw in just like that. You must come with something. And guess what? In the Old Testament, it was very grievous. Let me explain something to you. I'll, if I have time, I'll show you that scripture. In the Bible, when it comes to giving, in the Old Testament, when you are giving and you don't have anything, the way it is designed, if you go and read it in the Hebrew, you will see that the way they give when you don't have anything is that you will join your hands with somebody who has so that your giving, the person's giving covers your own. Let me explain what that means. It means maybe there's a basket in a modern day way. There's basket in front and you're in church and you don't have anything to give and everybody's giving. As they are dancing out to give with their hand and you see that you don't have anything, you will run quickly, hold the hand of that person that is about to give and give with that person so that that person's giving covers you. But there is an underlying principle that you cannot come to me without anything. You get what I'm saying there? Let me show you another scripture. Deuteronomy 16 verse 16. Deuteronomy 16 and verse 16. Thank you, Lord. So he said, three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses. At the feast of unleavened bread, at the feast of weeks, at the feast of tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Next verse. He says, all of this feast, and you see, there are three feasts you find there. The feast of the Passover, which is the coming out of the children of Israel from the place of Egypt. The feast of the first fruit, which happens 50 days before Passover. And then the feast of tabernacle, which is the leading of the atonement of sins. But he says that in all of these several feasts, which is like what we call programs in church. Like our Sunday in Sunday out programs. He says, whenever you are coming to all of these programs that have institutionalized, you cannot come empty-handed. 
cannot comment here and there. I'll show you something again. Open with me again to Exodus chapter 35 and verse 4. Because at this point, the children of Israel now became a nation. And God was trying to set certain rules in place for them that would help them operate and get the benefits for him. So that's why it wasn't left to their own will or to their own accord. In the rules given to Moses, these were part of the things given to them. So it's no longer, I want to give burnt offering or I want to give first fruits. I want to, there's a law. If you are coming before me, you must come with something. Now, don't be scared because I know some people are already thinking, you want to talk about our money. Just, I will show you deeper realms of what this thing means. That when you give to your mom, to your father, to your biological parent, your spiritual parent, there is something higher you are enacting there. You are responding to a higher covenant spiritually. And I'll show it to you in the Bible. Glory to God. Are we there in that scripture? All right. I'll read verse 1, you read verse 2. I'll read verse 3, you read verse 4. i read verse 4, pardon me. You read verse... Are we ready together? Oh, I can't hear you louder. Are we ready? One, two, three, go. And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying. Next verse, verse 5. Hold on, hold on. Let's read it. I wanted to say something, but I don't want to crack that joke. But let's say it loud. One, two, three, go! Go. Next verse, verse six. One, two, three, go! Final in the end. And goat's hair. Next verse, verse 7. Virgin skin and Asia wood. Next verse, verse 8. Spice for the anointing oil. Verse 9, 1, 2, 3, go. In the A4 and in the breastplate. Verse 10, 1, 2, 3, 4, go. Shall come. Verse 11, 1, 2, 3, go. Verse 12, 1, 2, 3, go. With the messy seats and the veil of the covering. Next verse, verse 10, 1, 2, 3, go. And the showbread. Next verse. Also the lampstand for the light, its utensils, its lamp, and the oil for the light. Next verse, verse 15. And the entrance of the tabernacle, next verse, verse 16, of the burnt offering with its bronze gettings, its poles and its utensils, and the lever and its base. Verse 17, you know, its pillars, its sockets, and the screen for the gates of the courts. Verse 18, the pegs of the tabernacle, the pegs of the courts, and their courts. Verse 19, the garments of ministry for the ministry of the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, the garments of his son to minister as priests. Verse 20. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed of Moses. Next verse. Verse 21. Then everyone came 
whose heart was what? Stirred and everyone's spirit was what? Willing and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all its service and for the holy garments. You see that? And so Moses gathered them together. Keep the scripture with me because we're still going back there. Gathered them together and said to them, we want to build the tabernacle of the Lord because the Lord has told us to build a tabernacle where we can host his presence. The Lord wants to dwell amongst men, though not in bodily form like he's doing with us in the New Testament. He wants to dwell amongst men in the tabernacle through the receiving of the Ark of Covenant. But he said, for us to do this, we must together build this tabernacle for God. Now, how do we build this tabernacle for God? Out of every man's free will, everyone go and bring what you have. Those that have gold, those that have silver, those that have Asia wood, even to the, the incense that the high priest or the priest, which is Aaron from the house of Levite and his members that would use, go and bring every single thing that we need. So what he was saying in other words that we are not going to need to buy anything with our money. Every one of you have those resources. Bring them to God willingly. I'm talking about an underlining principle there. He says, so everybody go and bring what you have. The Bible then says, those who heard and were stirred, the Bible says they went and they brought. Now let's keep going to the next verse. Verse 21. Verse 22. One, two, ready, go. Then they came both men and women as many as had a willing heart and brought what? Listen, where did they get these earrings from? Remember when they were in the mountain, the Bible says when they were in Israel, remember this, that they went to spoil the Egyptians. They told the Egyptians they were traveling to another place and the Egyptians gave them their goods. They gave them gold, they gave them silver. So when they got all of those things, what happened? When they got to make the, the, the calf, remember that calf event? Are you remembering it? When they were going to tell Moses, when Moses was going to see the Lord, and they said, okay, Moses has gone this many days, let us build ourselves for a, a, a calf that we are going to serve. It was from that place they started calving animals to represent God. It was from that place, ear ring, nose ring, eye ring, leg ring, ear, uh, every ring that we all wear came out from. And so they made, but look at what they did. The Bible says they now started removing their nose rings. In church, removing their leg ring, hand ring, every kind of earring, they were putting it down because they were made of pure gold. What were they using it for? To build the tabernacle for God. Let's keep going. And the drawers of gold that is, every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. Verse 23. And every man with whom was found blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, red skin of ram, and badger skin brought them. Next verse, you read verse 24. One, two, ready, go. Brought the Lord's offering and everyone with whom was found Asia wood for any work of the service brought it. Let's skip down all the way to verse, okay, let's read verse 25. One, two, ready, go. Let's, let's skip down to verse 29. Verse 29. Let's read this together, everyone, with a very loud voice. One, two, three, go. By the hand of Moses, 
What's the emphatic word here? It says, and they brought what? A free will offering. So that's the fourth thing you'll see in the Old Testament. The free will offering. The free will offering there is that offering that you are not coerced to give. Is that offering you are not obligated to give? Is that offering that you give out of your own will in collaboration to the building of our Lord Jesus Christ's house? So you see, the fourth thing that you see in the Old Testament in the kinds of giving was the free will offering. The free will offering. Now, the Bible is also very clear where they took these offerings to. Where did they take these offerings to? Deuteronomy 12, verse 5. You know, these kinds of teachings, like I said earlier, are for knowledge so that you can apply. Because without knowledge, the Bible says that if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous man do? Knowledge is what is required to build anything on the surface of the earth. Glory be to God. Let me tell you something, guys. When I give in church, when I give, there is a posture, and I'm going to show you it in the Bible. There is a posture of heart to give. Remember the guy who came to me, Jesus said, I've done everything. Everything. Everything there suggests that he probably also gave. Are you listening there? But if you look at Jesus' statements to him, it was not a statement of go and give and come. He says, go and sell all. It was not a kind of giving. Jesus was trying to test his heart posture in the way that he gives. I'm not saying you should go and sell all. Because people are already reacting. That's not what I'm saying. I'm teaching you something deeper than that. A deeper principle of giving and receiving. But I want you to keep following me. Glory be to God. Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 5. Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 5. It says, but you shall seek the place where the Lord your God, what? Chooses. Out of your tribe to put his name for his dwelling place and there you shall go. So the Lord himself tells them where to give these gifts. Now, let me, write, let me tell you a few things. I'll touch on that on Tuesday. There are different kinds of offering in the, in the Old Testament. Before we get into the New Testament, number one, you see giftings like the burnt offerings, different kinds of offerings, the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, the peace offerings, the sin offerings, and the guilt offerings. The burnt offering, the grain offerings, the peace offerings, the sin offering, the guilt offerings. In fact, there's a kind of giving there, and I'll talk on that next week, Tuesday, which is called the wave offering. That's why we got somebody wave, give a wave offering to the Lord. Let me tell you what the wave offering means in the Old Testament. It means that if you bring a lamp to give, the size of your lamp, this one that we squeeze money and we drop. In the Old Testament, a wave offering is that you will literally show your offering. So if you brought a small dead e-goat for God, you will wave that e-goat to let the world know that it's a small dead e-goat you brought. <laughs> Glory to God. So there are different kinds of offering, but I'll, I'll talk on that. 
So let's look at the New Testament now. Are we ready for that? Because many people say healing has been done away with in the Old Testament. Some people say giving has been done away with in the Old Testament. There is no longer giving. And some people even went ahead to say there is never a place in the New Testament where Jesus spoke about tithing. So why do we still tithe? There was never a place where Jesus spoke about free will offering. There is never a place where Jesus spoke about prophet offering. Even Jesus collected the jar of alabaster for Mary. And they are still saying there is never a place Jesus collected prophet offering. In the book of Matthew chapter 8, the Bible talks about the seven women who partnered with the ministry of Jesus. But they are still saying, there's no, you see, when you don't understand the Bible, you would accept everything, look like sinker, fisherman, and his fishing pole, and you would act. Let me tell you something. Some of us, our giving life has been targeted by the devil because of the things we've heard. I know a man of God who told me, who said, preaching, pardon me, he said, when all of this giving and receiving waves started to happen, a man of God, senior man of God, if I mention his name, you all know him. He said, at some point, he was listening to a message. Kenneth Copeland's message. BVOV. He said he sat down there and was listening to it. And he took the remote control, changed the channel and walked away. Because he was talking about giving. He said he did not know that he had gotten to his play to a point where that doctrine of giving had been tampered in his life. He said the little, the, 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 a little leaven leavened the old lumps. This law of giving is not only even in church. It's a natural law of life. It's a natural law of life. But whenever the, whenever the devil doesn't want you to participate with something, he helps you not to understand it so that you can't deal in it. So the problem of the devil with believer is not that you should not come to church. Come to church but lack understanding. Pray to God but lack understanding. Do everything. That's what the Bible says, Solomon speaking. He says, get knowledge, get wisdom, but get understanding. Knowledge is great, but knowledge without understanding is like, I mean, don't you know about space? Haven't you heard about Pluto? You have knowledge about it one way or the other, but can you fly there? It takes understanding to get there. So there's a level of knowledge, there's another level of understanding. The level of understanding helps you to apply. Put yourself into. That's where these things come to play. That's why this morning I want to help you to understand this concept of giving. Glory be to God. So let's look at the New Testament. The first giving we find in the New Testament is in the book of Luke chapter 2 and verse 21. Luke, and I'm talking about in the life of Jesus, is in the book of Luke chapter 2 and verse 21. Look at this. Remember that before this time, the law was still in operation. Do you remember? Because the law was still in operation. You know why? Because the Sadducees and the Pharisees were always attacking Jesus then. Why? Because they were lulled by the Lord of their fathers. So, the New Testament actually started really, really when Jesus died. Because the Bible says, for there to be a testator, they have to be a, for there to be a testament, there has to be a death of the testator. And the testator there was Jesus. So, let's look at the New Testament in context with conjunction with the Old Testament. Meaning that the practice of the Old Testament was still ongoing at this time. So let's look at it now. And when eight days were completed of the circumcision of, Jesus, of, the, of the child, his name was what called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Next verse. Look at verse 22. Now, when the days of purification, speaking of Mary here, 
according to the law of Moses. Can you see that here? According to the law of Moses were completed. They brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Remember the law that is in oppression. You cannot come before me empty. A law. According to the law of Moses. Look at the next verse. And it is written, the law of the Lord. Every male who opens the womb shall be called the holy of the Lord. Verse 5, 24. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said to the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. Next verse. And behold, there was a man. Okay, go back there. So you see, Mary and Joseph came to appear before God even though they gave birth to the Messiah. Even though they were the custodian of the person who was going to bring us back to the Father. They still applied the rule that was on earth. Are you seeing how because you are spiritual does not exempt you from natural rules of life? The spirituality of Mary, the depth of her calling, the power of the womb to conceive the holy child Jesus did not neglect her from applying herself to the things that God has asked you to do. Let me say this here. If you are anointed, particularly Christians, who boast in the realms of their spirituality, if you do not operate in the natural principles of life with the spiritual, you will fall flat to your ground on the face. Why? Because you see, when it comes to even your health, it gets to a particular age, there are some things you must stop eating. You can't say, I'm just spiritual, I'm just spiritual, I'm just spiritual. Are you getting what I'm talking about? You can't say you want to take your car now and you want your car to fly. It's a, there's a rule. No matter how anointed you are, your car will not fly. He will keep his angel, give his angels charge over you. You, not your car. Special rules of life. Rules of life. So, Mary was not exempted from this. She still brought two turtle doves for Jesus. So you see the first law. You see there of the New Testament did not destroy. Remember what I said to you first earlier that it is in the principles. The principles remain the same. However, the dealings is now different. Is somebody following me? Let's look at another one again. Like I said earlier today, the teaching this morning is to help you understand. Next Sunday, midweek service, I'll start taking it one after the other. Those kinds of giving. So that you can understand the general principle. Glory be to God. Alright. The next one we see here is Matthew chapter 2 and verse 10. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 10. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Verse 11. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child which Mary is with Mary's mother. And look at what happened. It says, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now watch this now. The Bible says when they opened their what? Treasures or treasure? Is that S there? It has S there in it? Yes or no? So it meant that they did not come with just one treasure. They came with treasures. 
So some of us, I know you've seen, you know, calendars and a Christmas card where the wise men just give Jesus one small tiny gold, one man, and they think that, oh, he just gave him. No. Don't forget that Mary and, 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 jo and Joseph were not from a very well-to-do family. So when they came before Jesus, they came with treasures. Just imagine the prince of Belgium, the king of, uh, the, the queen of England is coming to see me in my house. Would she leave my house and give me one pound? I will not drag a wig. I will not drag a wig. So come back here. You come to see me, you give me one pound. She must come with treasures. And when a king wants, you know how kings eat. You know how kings give. So they gave treasures. But watch this. This is so powerful. Prophetic. You see, in the Bible, once you read the Bible, you must read meanings to what they are saying there. Why did they give him gold? Why did they give him frankincense? Why did they give him myrrh? The gold there speaks of kingship. Whenever you see a king, a king has a gold crown. So they were given to the kingship that he represents. Why did they give him frankincense? Why did they give him myrrh? The way you see myrrh and frankincense, myrrh and frankincense were used for the possession of the high priest to burn incense. They were the things used and mixed together to burn incense. So they were representing him in their sight as a king and a priest. Are you getting what I'm talking about there? That's how they saw him. They gave him king. Remember the Bible says he has made us to be what? Kings and priests. So that we can reign on the earth. So they gave to that two dimension. I'm going somewhere deep out. That's why Jesus said he was operating a rule. When they came to him and said that, how come should we give to, uh, uh, to Caesar? He said, give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar. What was he trying to say? He was trying to apply for them a rule of giving now. That there is a rule of giving to the priestic order, which we call the Melchizedek order, but there is also a rule of giving to the government of the land. The only difference of the two is that one calls their own tax, another one calls their own free will. But the one with this tax is that if you don't give it, they will come and collect it from you. So people are willing to give because they know that there is consequences attached or justice attached to it. But this other one which is free will is at your will. But Jesus was establishing it out both as a king and as a priest. Are you following what I'm talking about? Okay, you have to go and listen to the message again, Abby. Glory to God. I find that spiritual people don't like anything too deep. Anything that will affect them to think through. They just want lift your two hands and receive five million in your pocket. I watched one YouTube video. I don't know how I stumbled on it. Miracle money. In service. And people say, now at that point you will see money in your pocket. And people are bringing out money. Pastor! Uh, guess what? It was not one billion. At least if God wants to work his power, let him work it to the fullest. It was 1K, 3K. I said, what is this? 3K. There was a pastor, testimony. People were queuing to share testimony of miracle money. Okay, tell the pastor to pray miracle dollar that I should receive 1 billion. Then you say, my God does things in stages. Look at this one. Let me tell you something. The thing you would guard your loins with in this end time 
must be the knowledge of God. Because there will be rise of many false prophets. They look like it. They talk like it. They seem like it. Guess what? They have the result of it. I was somewhere some weeks ago and I was having a conversation with someone and the person was telling me about a man of God with proofs, evidence, evidence not that with the, the things he was saying fetish just to gain popularity and those are the people who say, oh, the people, oh, the people. listen, this season of your life as you grow because just because you are saved in Jesus' name, it doesn't mean it's coming from the realm of Jesus. You must perceive by the Spirit of the living God the voices. <laughs> I'm telling you something. Because in our times, we're going to see increase of that. Increase of that. Glory to God. So you see that the wise men, let me get back to my message before I Enter into that flow. Number three. Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. Jesus looked at this guy and said, go and sell all that you have and come and follow me. The Bible says the guy was very upset. Was very angry. Walked away. Why? Because Jesus was telling him a higher principle of giving that the higher principle of giving is not you giving me some, it's you giving me all. But the highest principle of giving is not your gift in terms of what you present to him is you that he wants. So when Jesus said, go and sell all that you have and follow me. No man having put his plow, the hand to the plow and look back is fit for the kingdom. So he's saying that your giving to me without your following me is inconsequential to me. It means that for you to truly say you are giving to me, it must be seen first in your following me. Glory be to God. There are many other givings of Jesus in the Bible there, but because of time, let me quickly clip so that I can close. Let's now look at the New Testament, Acts chapter 4. This time, Jesus had died in Acts chapter 1. He's going to be with the Father in heaven. In Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of the Lord raised upon them. They began to speak in other tongues. Church was saved, people were saved, 3,000 people gave their life to Christ in Acts chapter 2. Now in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John seemed like the first people were going to give. Remember? When they were going to the gate of beautiful. The guy who was lame said to them, um, give to me, was crying out for arms. Peter and John looked at him and said, silver or gold we have none, but such as we have we give. So we cannot recall that as the first giving because they never gave him money. However, they gave him spiritual substance. But in Acts chapter 4, we then began to see the giving in the Bible. So let's go to Acts chapter 4. Let's start from verse 20, 32. Acts chapter 4 verse 32. Glory to God. For I've tasted and seen your goodness and I stood in the power of your birth for I felt the depths of your mercy oh how your love it all 
surround you alone. You alone are worthy of the highest praise. For you alone are worthy of. Mighty one, mighty one, mighty one, we worship you, oh, mighty one, oh my goodness, God, shall you have us, we worship one more time, take some few minutes to, to worship God before we close. So let me quickly close this now. Alright, give me the scripture back again. Acts chapter 4 verse 32. It says, Now the multitude of those who believed were one of heart and one soul, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. Look at this. But they had all things in common. Next verse, verse 33. And with great power... The apostle gave witness to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and great grace was upon them all. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, verse 34. It says, Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands, watch this now, or houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. Next verse, verse 35. And they laid them at the what? Apostles' feet. You know, I taught you earlier that before, you have to lay it at the Levites' feet. But when Jesus died and resurrected, he now chose a new governing council for his church. Which means you don't have to be coming from the house of the house of Levi for you to be called. Now, to be called is as the spirit wills or as God wills to call men. It's not that you have a, from a Levite house. And that's why Jesus came out from the house of Judah, not from the Levite house. So that he can crisscross that mix. So that you can know that your father doesn't have to be a pastor before you become a pastor. I hear what I'm saying there. So you see who they laid this out now to the apostles' feet. Now you see that the design had changed at this point. It says, and the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as everyone has need. Next verse, verse 36. Let's read this together, everyone. This is where I'm going to. One, two, ready, go. Oh, I can hear you. Make it louder. One, two, ready, go. By the apostle. Next verse. Do you see the other there? This Joseph guy, ideally, should be the one receiving these offerings. It's the one. Because he's the son of a Levi. But he's now the one who has properties. Who now took the proceeds of his properties, sold it, and brought it to the house of the Lord as offering. This is the message for many pastors. Many times, we say what we don't do. He says, he sold it. 
He didn't even look at the house that he came from that, oh, I'm the rightful person that's supposed to be collecting this thing. Sold it and took it there. So you see that in the moment of this, their design of giving changed. Where did they give it to? Who receives the offering? What does the offering do? What happens in heaven once we give? I will show you that on Tuesday. Because in the Bible, the Bible says about, let me just go ahead and myself a little bit. When they brought the guy with five loaves of bread and two fishes, what happened? Remember the Bible says, for we do not have an high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So who is in the courtyard of God on our behalf? It's Jesus. Jesus is our high priest. That's why the Bible says that he's the high priest who daily makes intercession for us, for the Father. Are you getting what I'm saying there? So if you look at what happened in the possession of the guy who had five loaves of bread and two fishes, Jesus said, what do you have? They said, we have five loaves of bread, we have two fishes. He said, bring them to me. What happened? Jesus took it, put it in his hands and blessed it. But before he blessed it, what did he do? He gave thanks to God and he blessed it. That's exactly what happens every time we give. We put the seed, the offerings, the gift that we have, we put it before the hand of our high priest, who then takes it and offers it as a sacrifice before God. Once he gives thanks on our behalf, then he blesses it, then the thing begins to multiply. That's what happens in giving. So, when you give, you are not just dropping offering. There is a posture in your mind that as you are dropping this thing, it's handed in the hand of the high priest. But look at the minimal, the, the, the spiritual principle in that place. The Bible says, after they gave and they ate, there was still 12 left, um, 12 bath, um, left, left over. Basket left over. That's the scripture. That you would have good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. Once it touched the hands of the high priests. Some of us, we are touched, the, the way we are giving, because there is a way the high priest receives offering. I will show you today in the Bible. That's why this high priest was looking at the widow and everyone who was giving. The widow's might. The moment she gave her home, he looked at the disciples and told them, you see this woman, she gave all. Why? Go and check this in the Bible. She gave all, everything out of her poverty. She gave everything that she has beyond everybody who even had. It means that for him to make that statement, what she gave touched his hands. <laughs> Don't worry. I will explain it to you further. So that you will stop dashing money. Because in church, it's not a job we are doing. It's not a job that when is your turn, you collect your own. It's like turn, turn by turn. And so like be, when is your turn? Have you taken this month? My own is next month. Oh. Then we start fighting pastor. My own is next month. Oh. Ah, you know, my own is next month. Oh. How much is everything? No. You know that we are not, when we say giving, because of the use of word over and over and over again, we forget that it's a spiritual exercise that is about to happen at that moment. It's a spiritual exercise. It's a seed that you want to sow. It's a spiritual sacrifice. Let me close with this scripture. Okay. Matthew 23, verse 23. And I'll close with this. Matthew 23, verse 23. Matthew 23, verse 23. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you read the scripture, I love the scripture very much because this scripture speaks of the wolves of Jesus. You know, what do we mean by the wolves of Jesus? You know, those scriptures where Jesus would say, woe to the Pharisees, 
Woe to, and you see, when Jesus was saying woe to you, he wasn't just talking at it as a nice guy. He was with a loud voice. He was angry, speaking to them. Look at what you guys are doing. Why are you desecrating the house of the Lord Jesus? Why are you doing all of this? So when he says woe, what's going on here? So you see some woes that Jesus is, about six of the woes. Can release a song with woe. But look at this. Look at the first one he did here. He says, what to you scribes and Pharisees? He says, hypocrites. He says, you pay fight of meat and eggs and comments and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Now, let me tell you something. Whenever you see the words of Jesus in the Bible, Jesus was knocking down things that had erected itself against the knowledge of the pattern of the ways of God. So, every opportunity when he says woe to them, that's why he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, woe to you, you who have longed to cover like a mother hen covers a sheep, but you will not let me. So, he was knocking down the patterns of thinking. And listen, every time Jesus was using the word woe, he had the opportunity to knock anything down. Guess what? If Jesus wanted to knock Titan, this was the perfect time for him to knock it down. But he didn't touch it. He was not talking about Titan in terms of don't tight. In this scripture, he was talking about the manner at which, the hypocritical manner at which they tithe. Meaning that they don't like justice, they don't like mercy, they don't have faith, but they use tithe to try and circumvent the process and they say to themselves, at least I'm tithing, at least I'm giving, but they are not merciful. At least I'm tithing, at least I'm giving, they are not justed. They don't look for justice. At least I'm tithing, are you getting what I'm saying? But they don't have faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So he was knocking down the ways they are giving that they were using giving as MMM. But it was not the tight. Because when Jesus was talking here, he had the tight. He could really knock down Titan if he wanted to. But he didn't touch it. Let me show you one more scripture. This solidifies what I'm saying. Luke chapter 8 and verse 9. Luke 8, 9. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? Next verse. And he said to, and he said, To you it has been given to know the mission of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given to the parables, that seeing they may see, and hearing they may not understand. Verse 11. It says, Now the price of the seed, the seed is the word of God. Next verse. Verse 12. Read for me. One, two, please. Ready, go. Read. Next verse, verse 13. Okay, move all the way to verse 14. Is this Luke chapter 8, verse 18, pardon me. Luke 18, I was wondering. Luke 18. Luke 18. Alright, next verse, because of time. Next verse. Aha, uh-huh. you see, he was talking to these tax collectors guys there. Again, next verse. It says, I fast twice and twice a week, I give tithes of all that I possess. So he was talking to the scribes at this point too. That they were using this, their tithes, as a bragging right. But if you see verse 14, Jesus was talking about the kind of person. He says, I tell you, this man went down to this house justified rather than the others. Go to verse 13. Verse 13. 
It says, and the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me as a sinner. So if you read this verse of scripture, what he was trying to say here, there were two people who came to pray. One came to pray to himself and was telling God, I'm a tighter, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, I'm that. But the real posture of giving, he did not have it. So you see that Jesus spoke about tithing. If he wanted to knock down tithing, he would have knocked it down. Write this down. The proof of your love is seen in your giving. The proof of your love for God is seen in your giving. And is seen in your giving all, which starts from you. The proof of your love is seen in your giving. Peter said, for we've left all and followed you. Left all. Luke 18, 28. Mary gave the Java alabaster. The Java alabaster was so precious. The first time you saw the Java alabaster was in First Chronicles. I think it's chapter 77. Right? Where you see the word alabaster. Those things were made with special stones. Those were the things that Solomon used to build the temple. Special stones. Cost millions in the, night, in the, night, in the terms now. This woman took it. And the way the alabaster was is that it has a top like level that you cannot spray it just like that. It's not like perfume. For you to use it, you have to break it. And it costs a lot of money. The woman took it and broke the jar of alabaster just for Jesus. She gave her all. She gave her all. If you look at the widow as well, the widow's mind, Matthew chapter 12, verse 41 to 44, she gave her all. The five loaves of bread and two fishes. John chapter 6 and verse... 1 to 14, he gave what he had. Write this down. Why do we give? Number one, why do we give? To proclaim that God is the creator of heaven and earth. To proclaim that God is the creator of heaven and earth. Number two, to profess God as our provider. Whenever we give, we profess, we declare, we announce that God is our provider. Number three, to give to prove that we trust God. Whenever we give, we prove that we trust God. It's a proof that we trust God. Number four, we give to propagate the kingdom of God. We give to propagate the kingdom of God. Zechariah 1.17. We give, Zechariah 1.17. We give to propagate the kingdom of God. Number five, we give to present our hearts to God and our hearts to God. Present our hearts to God, and God sees our hearts whenever we give. Glory be to God. We hope you were greatly blessed by today's message because God still has so much He wants to share with you. So stay connected every week to experience uplifting and life changing moments in His presence.